This is the Yay. I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. This is the Yay, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. Yay! As always, we are sponsored by Central Works, a new play theater headed up by Gary Graves and Jan Sleifler. Central Works, reinventing theater one play at a time. And as always, we want to thank Central Works for sponsoring the Yay. Uh, so this is week three of our Love in the Theater, and uh, we had to have uh, Jeff Rosario and Melvin Badiola on, uh, two, one of my, two of my favorite actors. Uh, how, how are you gentlemen doing? We're good. We're good. Thank you for having us. Yeah, yeah. And uh, both of you have been uh, on before, but, you know, we wanted to, in the minute we knew that we wanted to have, you know, a feature on love in the theater and people just meeting we knew we wanted to have the two of you on because uh you know i think you know both of you represent um came out of bendel stiff i think both of you met during stories high i think it was the stories high 12 uh, poster uh -oh. which i have right here <laughs> That's the one. And uh, I believe if I'm not right, if I'm not mistaken, this is where the this is the performance where the two of you met. Right. Yes, it was. Act we actually didn't meet or act like shook hands until like the after party, like the cast after party, because whenever I would go into the theater, um, he's already like fully made up and he's ready to go. And I think we were the last we were the last piece to go. Mm -hmm. So as he's leaving the the, you know, at Bindlesif, it's it's just one big dressing room and it's co-ed. And so as he's coming as he's going out, I'm coming in to put to get ready for my piece. So we never actually I don't think we actually met. No, I think we met. We, we did meet like during the, the, like, the runs. Yeah, like the first uh, where everybody kind of shows what they've been working on. Um, yeah, but then we actually did a um, a short film like before that, was that before that like a year before that. But we um, didn't meet for that either because I played <laughs> I played the the dead the dead boyfriend of his current partner in in the in the story, yeah. and so we never met, <laughs> and it was just <laughs> yeah yeah, and I was just a pitcher. I had like twelve second screen time as a as a still pitcher. So I did great. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> And we'll hear we'll hear more about that. Uh, you know, I think the two of you is it's a wonderful love story, and uh, so we will be happy to hear about that. Norman, as I begin every podcast, how's your week? It's been a wild week, wild and wonderful. Now I'm doing lots of modeling jobs, and um, and then uh, I got a weird message. My uncle is um, not doing well, and so family just sort of got notified and. I got a call saying, you got a call and make sure you check in. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll check in. Then while I'm modeling, I get a phone call from my sister. And I just, I hit this sort of automatic reply, please text me. I can't talk now. And she says, oh, I'm trying to get Uncle Johnny's number. And I'm like, so I send her the number. She says, I'm trying to get Uncle Johnny's number. Mom says if we don't talk to him in the next day or so. And then her message got all garbled. Oh, no. I think she does voice to text mm -hmm. and it, I didn't know what it said. So I'm like, Oh hell. So I call him as soon as I get done with my job. He's not well, he's in bed, but he was happy to have the phone call. He got chatty as hell. And we got to talking because he's gotten into family history, which will be my black history must share for to this episode, I think. But, um, so we got to talking about somehow we got onto August Wilson Oh, family and lineage and August Wilson. And he said, he said something about family. And I said, oh, well, you know, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is on. He said, well, well, didn't see that one. But he saw Fences with Denzel. Oh, yeah. When Viola said, Davis, yeah. Back in the day, he went to, uh, he used to go to New York a lot for business. 
and he would go see shows. He went and he saw soldiers play, this soldiers play, um, when it came out on Broadway. So he's like, and I think Denzel was in that. And so I grab, I run to my shelf, and I grab, and I look, and sure enough, Denzel's in the cast, but also Stephen Anthony Jones. Bay wow. Area, Stephen Anthony Jones was that in this amazing. cast. Oh my God. I said, so I've worked with Stephen Anthony a lot, especially in the last few years. And, you know, that impressed him, perked him up even more. Well, I'm glad he's doing well. No, it's really, really cool. And uh, not COVID, just, and that's the other thing. Somebody's bedridden, you say, oh, is it COVID? And they say no. And you immediately are like, oh, okay, well. Yeah. Uh, Jeb and Mel, uh, have you guys, have any of you, your family members, been affected by COVID or is everybody okay? Everyone's okay in um, in my family, thank goodness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, no one in my family uh, has. I mean, my sister does work with um, in in healthcare, but she's you know, I we check in at least once a week just to see if everything is all good. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's still it's still pretty uh, scary. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm encouraged every time I look at the uh, the news, I see the numbers go down, and you know they've been going way down, you know, throughout the United States. So that gives me encouragement. And people are getting their vaccines and all that sort of stuff. So that's good. Right. Um, Anybody gotten vaccinated yet? No. Not yet. I'll wait. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, tr- I'm not trying to jump the line. Um, I don't think I, we can, even if we could. <laughs> <laughs> no, as educators, as educators, at least in Alameda County now, Alameda County is is doing educators. Mara got a shot the first day. Oh, right on. No, that's fantastic. Yeah. And I think the two of you are educators as well. So I think you should get the yeah. shot but yeah yeah we're, we're trying to but like I, I mean i work in in san francisco so i'm not sure how that i mean we do live in in oakland so i don't know if there's like some sort of uh you know right they uh if you go to the what is it myturn.ca.org mm-hmm. you can see if you're eligible and if you're working in education or healthcare, you you're eligible um, and then it asks for your zip code, and that's where every time I go in, I'm like, you're eligible. What's your zip code? Zip code. Nah, we ain't got no appointments for you. Wow. Yeah, I'm not eligible either, and uh, I'm sure we'll get an email. I'm sure either our jobs or, you know, ca.gov will, will send us something, but we'll, we'll check on. I'm sure they're at, there's tier 1A, and then there's 1B, and then probably the rest of us, but uh. I'm, I'm confident. There have been some uh, current events, uh, not a lot of... Um, not a lot of politics, but um, this I know. Been, Hasn't it been great? It's been wonderful. Isn't it nice that we can not talk about Trump, who apparently is in some sort of uh, financial trouble, but I'm, I'm not even There's a thing going on called Cancel Shakespeare. Have you heard about this? Disrupt texts? Mm-mm. Either of you heard about this? So I guess I mean, so there's a cancel culture, and I don't have a problem necessarily with cancel culture because, you know, we want to to make a long story short, there's a, I guess, a teacher slash activist who wants us to take a, a good look at the literature that we absorb. And I guess the the point is, I guess there's too many, um, I guess, white male writers that get first dibs at what students learn. But canceling Shakespeare, they want, uh, they, you know, they, yeah, uh, there's no. this argument about canceling and I'm not for that at all. I mean, I don't see anything wrong with the Bard. I mean, you know, the stories are still relevant today. So that's that's weird. yeah, I, yeah. No, all the Shakespeare companies I know are doing such an amazing job of trying to bring everybody else into the story. I'm not even freaking about it. Yeah. But isn't it is isn't it like the uh, the the 
the theater company's um, responsibility in a sense to like, you know, if, if they want to, let's say, take risks in terms of, of diverse casting and not necessarily going with what what is written on there. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. shaking it up. But what's, what's her reason? What's, what's the teacher's reason slash activist who wants to cancel Shakespeare? Because well, it sounds like she's going after the playwright, right? That there's too many white men, white men playwrights? Yeah, and I think it's also the time period, you know, if it was written during a time where there wasn't diversity, which could really be anywhere in, in which history. Which is not true. Oh my God. Urgh. Yeah, I think it, I think it's, I mean, I understand the spirit of cancel culture, but sometimes, you know, it can it stretch a little too far. I mean, you know, we can't go around pulling books off the tables and telling students, oh, don't read that or whatever. So, well, it's going to create a bubble because the truth is, like, there are, there's actual literature now about the Negro in Shakespeare's London, in Shakespeare's England. Um, and, it's documented in paintings. You see paintings of, you know, city scenes and stuff like that. There's actual writing about who these people were. We know stuff about them. Mm -hmm. And so when you do a Shakespeare play, when you know that history, you can root what you're doing even more in the history. Instead, we're going to say, well, that's white people stuff. So we're going to take it away from everybody. It's not y'all's. Y'all ain't English. Fuck y'all. Y'all ain't in the 15th century. <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel, like I said, I understand the spirit of it. We have to watch out. I mean, you know, there's there's racism, but there's also racism against, you know, like all all white people and all white, you know, writers. And they're not all bad, you know. Uh, and also, you're absolutely right, Mel. I mean, I, there are companies that will focus on diversity and focus on, you know, switching things up as far as casting. And uh, I know, Norman, you've been in a bunch of those as well. A Radical Rao was, I think she was the grave digger and she was... Um, another uh, key role. And there was, a, I think, an Othello who was a woman. So there are all sorts of companies yeah. that are doing some really cool things with Shakespeare. So I would say the Shakespeare companies are, for the most part, on the leading edge of this. So that's the wrong people to be attacking. Attack every other frigging theater company in the country that does these seasons that are still dominated by white men. Attack them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Leave Shakespeare <laughs> alone. That's my Shakespeare. <laughs> and also... Um, Texas outage. I mean, uh, I, don't, I don't know if I have a hot take. I, I feel so Sorry. bad. <laughs> I feel so bad for uh, some of my friends like Craig Dickerson. I got to contact Craig Dickerson, a good friend of ours. Oh, please. Who yes. moved to Texas and now Texas is freezing. And of course, you know, the governor and, you know, they could have prevented all of these outages. Basically, they haven't had power. The large swaths of Texas haven't had power in several days. Um, right. And also the water's frozen, you know, has frozen as right. well. And they could have prevented. Uh, no, it's it's not potable. They weren't freezing because they told people to keep their things going, and then they ran out of the water supply. It got low enough that the machines didn't kick in because of the power outage, mm -hmm. and so their water is not drinkable. They have to be careful about their frigging water. Yeah. So there's that, and also the last thing. So I was so happy. I, I think it was two days ago. Um, NASA Perseverance landing on Mars. Yes. Good and news. Yay. And it was really the first time that I watch. I'm watching the news in recent memory where it's not about bad news. It's not about, you know, let's say the riots or the insurrection or another impeachment or some crazy thing Trump did. But it's something that everyone can cheer about. A great accomplishment for the first time in a long time. I felt proud to be an American. So that was really cool. Yeah. Scientists jumping up and down. That was funny. That was. Yeah. I mean, it, it's also exciting for, for us to like, you know, see that. I mean, we, I wasn't around, you know, seeing the, the moon landing, 
but right. even seeing something like this, you know, where I can remember it, I mean, it's 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 a great opportunity to be uh, to witness that, even though it's in CG. <laughs> well, and also it's going to be really cool when um, because when is it when is it being? It's coming back in the thirties, right? Something like that. But when- so think about all the kids who are learning about that right now. They will be either in high school or young adults going, "Hey, are you ready? The ship is coming back." Yeah, that's one of the things that the um, the the scientists were saying is that um, what's exciting about it is the fact that us being able to watch it land there, and then, like you said, the the students of the future that are you know kids now are going to be able to study that and, mm-hmm. and finally figure out if there was life. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's really really cool. And uh, let's see, you know what else? You know, I've been I've been updating my uh, my browser just to see, okay, what new pictures do they have? Because I love to see those uh, pictures. I remember being a kid. I mean, I was only a baby when Neil Armstrong landed on the moon. I was born in June and July. He landed on the moon. But there were magazines like Omni Magazine. I mean, it it, it sponsored so much creativity, and it, I think it sponsored like I don't think Star Wars would have happened. I don't think um, right. 2001: A Space Odyssey would have happened if it weren't for the space race. So, yeah, agreed. Yeah, it's all. Go ahead. I, I did see this link of um, they. I guess they they stitched together high uh, high def uh, photos. From from the landing, and now you can see these photos in 4K. So if you, I'm sure you can look it up on Google or on YouTube. Yeah, uh, let's get to let's get into. Well, we know the origin story for the both of you. I think both of you migrated from um, the Philippines and came to America. But uh, let's talk more about uh, how the two of you met. So um, you talked about uh, the, I guess there was a movie that the two of you were in or filming. Um, what? Um, well, what what brought you to uh, to the filming? Um, well, so it, it was a uh, it was actually a stage uh, short play uh, by Emmanuel um, uh, Romero, um, and it was over at uh, Bindelstiff. But then this is when Bindelstiff wasn't uh, didn't have a, a home at, at the time, and so we were at what was then the Thick House, which is now uh, Potrero Stage, um, right. and so that's that's where I first saw the the. Um, the play or the short play and then what they did was they made it into a into a short film and it, that one was directed by by drew and uh, and yeah and that's how we got uh we got involved with it but yeah like he said i didn't even see him at that party <laughs> that release party i don't think you went i went but then i, I had left already because i don't oh. know why i was already drunk by then <laughs> <laughs> Were the both of you? Yeah, now that's perfect. Um, were the both of you single at the time, or did you have partners? I was. I was single. I was single. Yeah. yeah. Okay, it was perfect. So, so it wasn't necessarily love at first sight. Well, then again, it sounds like you two didn't even physically see each other. No, no. I saw the. I saw the. I saw the uh, uh, a viewing of the movie, and I'm like, oh, oh, that guy looks familiar. That guy looks familiar, because uh, I think we've already worked. Have we? I don't remember now. I don't think we have. I mean, I've been doing stuff at Bindosa for a while. So if you had probably like seen, you know, if you've gone to yeah. the show. Yeah. But we, we, we weren't formally introduced. No. Yeah. Oh, you were already at Bindelstep at that? I mean, not Bindelstep. I'm sorry. When you said Bindelstep, I thought Brava. Oh, no, I wasn't at Brava yet. I've only, yeah. Um, I've only been at Brava, I mean, the last five, six years now. But I've been with Bindelstep for, God, over 10 years. Melvin. <laughs> Because I think you were doing tech uh, when we did uh, Stories High, right? Where you weren't on a stage yet, were you? 
No, I was on stage with you um, that when we did, um, it was this, the first stories high back at, um, at, the, at the old new space. Where we met. Where we met. Uh, but when I, first, I yeah, when I first started doing Bindlestiff, I, I, was, uh, I did tech. I mean, I didn't want to do any of the stage stuff. And yeah, that wasn't my thing. Okay. <laughs> was it, um, I don't know, was it Love at First Sight when the two of you, uh, when you saw him do Rizal or, um, I mean, or did it take a little bit of time? I just remember watching Mel's piece in the beginning. <laughs> I, just, I just remember thinking, man, that, that, that dude's got thick legs. That's <laughs> 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 the thing for guys with big legs. <laughs> and so I remember that. And, and for whatever reason, I thought Melvin was actually Chinese because he, he's one of those Filipinos that look Chinese. And so I just assumed, oh, that's cool. There's a token Chinese in a Filipino theater. <laughs> <laughs> and then I saw his last name. I'm like, no, that's, that, that's definitely a Filipino last name. Because my rule is if, if, if someone looks Asian and they have a Spanish last name, they're Filipino. <laughs> that's, my, that's how I can tell the difference. Uh, but but yeah, and, and then I don't know if it was Love at First Sight because then I just remember during, or I don't remember, uh, it was after party, uh, we were drunk and that's when we actually officially oh, met. Oh yeah, yeah. I pulled him aside and I made out with him. Pretty much. <laughs> what about you, Mel? I mean, how, how did you feel when you first uh, saw Jeb? I was like, oh my God, who is this guy playing Rizal? <laughs> Yeah, Rizal's a very famous thing. I remember, you know, it was it was one of those really heavy roles, powerful roles. It was gorgeous. No, I, I saw that show. Oh, gosh. I I want the play. I still want that play. I do, too. Like, I, I, I don't know what I did with the copy of it. And, yeah. I'm sure you can, you can. No, I mean, I want them to make a full play out of that. Yeah, they need to expand it. piece, and it was just so full and gorgeous. Oh, yeah, no, totally. I mean, it was also like, uh, it's, it's refreshing to hear something that you've read in history books, right? But then mm -hmm. like having to see like a window in, in, in a window of time into this man's life, you know, I mean, for, for us Filipinos, he was, he was, uh, he was, ex what is that? Uh, he was thrown out of the country. Yeah, because of what right. he believed in and, and all of that stuff. So and also like, seeing the history, um, sort of, I, uh, how do you say, like, I'm still living in San Francisco, because in, in the Palace Hotel, there is a Rizal plaque that says, this is the first establishment that Jose Rizal from the Philippines visited when he stepped off of Angel Island. Yeah, it's, on, it's a plaque right next to the Palace Hotel. And I just remember, like, I just, I think I was actually, like, I had my headphones on listening to my monologue, because it was such a heavy piece. So I'm like, I just need to hear it all the time so I can get off book. And then I looked up, and there's a plaque and with his name on it. I was like, oh. Oh, at the Palace Hotel here? In San Francisco, yes, yes. Sheet. There's a plaque right on the corner of Market and Montgomery. There's a plaque right there that, that has his name on it that basically yeah. says the first establishment that Jose Rizal stepped in when he got off of Angel Island. Yeah. Wow, no, that's awesome. It's, no, it's very cool that San Francisco still recognizes, you know, the um, the historical aspect of uh, Philippine culture. Yeah, uh, I think you know San Francisco does such a good job in all all of the all culture. Um, no, that's cool. I didn't even realize that. Um, how so? Okay, so that was 2011. It's 2021. So is this a 10 year anniversary for the two of you? No, we we actually didn't start dating Dave. until a year later. <laughs> we just made, we just made out and said, all right. Good job. <laughs> no, we're not. I'm not. Yeah, I'm, I'm not that kind. Of, I mean, also the fact that you know, Bindlestick is our home. You know, like I, I feel like there, there has 
we have that 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 respect for the for, you know for the space and and you know the people that are in there that that work and and does tremendous work but we didn't really actually start dating until like a two year years. a year and a half later maybe two years maybe even yeah because i think it was 2013 um I, I i was producing stories high 2013 that's when we started dating that's when we started dating um yeah but it wasn't even because he was playing hard to get that's what happened I was not yeah, we want to hear this story <laughs> you'll get your turn you'll get your turn no i i mean i don't know it was uh you know i mean if if like I said, if, if you're working in a in an institution or, or in a space where, you know, you kind of, and you're in a, in a leadership position, I feel like you kind of have to be held at a higher standard and, you know, right. as well. And so I didn't want people to think that, you know, I'm, I'm like taking advantage of, of, of the situation. Because <laughs> he was a producer and yeah. I was an actor and I just, we were already dating then and so we just sort of kept it under wraps yeah, nobody people, knew nobody he, although he did come to rehearsal once to drop off food and and the and then i just remember amy suzara who was directing amy spirit yeah. who was directing me that piece that sort of looked at me i was like oh what's that oh so melvin's Not giving you that's where's our food <laughs> <laughs> that's when it was just like oh Right. Yeah, yeah. But, but they didn't even know until like that until until, until after, after the until after party. Yeah. They're like, "Oh, you guys are together." Yeah. Like, what? And it's like, wait a minute! Don't put that hair away. You just pulled that hair out. I want to see this. Good lord! I know it's like Steve Perry, right? That's more hair than I have ever seen on you. <laughs> yeah. Both of you, honestly, it's yeah. more hair than I've ever seen on both of you. Steve Perry, look. But uh, it's inter- it's interesting that you mentioned that because we ha- we had Chuck Laxon and Julie Corbara on. Uh, and they said the same thing. Chuck was like, listen, I'm a person of position here at Bindlestiff. And I, yes, I'm attracted to Julie, but I don't want to, you know, I don't want to date the actors, you know, like a casting couch thing. So, you know, it's, it's you, the respect that you have for Bindlestiff, but also, you know, the love was so strong, you couldn't resist. Yeah. But also, I mean, it's all about being professional at the same time, you know, like it's, it's, yeah, it's, I, I've had students before where, you know, it's like we're in class and they're all making out and it's like, how do you guys feel if one of, if my partner just comes Walked to in. class <laughs> and I start making out with him? It's, you know, it's, it's, it's about respect. And I, I feel like if, if I start being uncomfortable, I feel like people are going to be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Especially if it goes wrong, because, you know, you start dating someone and all of a sudden, oh, no, we're broken up, but now we have to continue in this either rehearsal or this thing. It can... You know, those are really, really tense situations. But um, no, it's been, I mean, and the two of you, so what, it's been seven years that you two of you have been officially together? Yeah, seven. 14, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. It's going to be 21. So it's going to be eight years in August. We're seven going in eight. In where? Uh, Seven, seven years. In August. Oh, August. That's fan- love. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, well, here's a simple question. I mean, what makes you know what keeps it going strong? I mean, you know, why haven't you guys torn your you know your hairs out? You know, especially with COVID. I mean, have are you guys sequestered in, together? What was that? Are you guys sequestered together? Yes. 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 Um, I think space has a lot to do with it, given the fact that we can be separated by a wall. You know, like you mean a bedroom, I can be out here in the living room. But mm-hmm. you know, I think a lot of it is really um, taking some time for yourself. I mean, especially like right now with, with the situation that we're in being, you know, sheltering in place for like what would be a year now, right? Um, there are times where we need some time apart and we, uh, we communicate that. 
which I think has gotten better because I remember in the beginning, like I, I was single for a really long time and I held on to my like bachelor badge really proud. Like I would go out with friends who were already like boot up or they were, they had fiancés and they're married. And so they, they felt bad inviting me. They wanted to invite me because they're like, we just don't want you to feel like this, the third or fifth or seventh. And I'm like, no, by all means, it's fun. Like, I don't have to deal with a significant other when I go home. I can just eat whatever I want after we hung out, after we hang out. Uh, but so like in the beginning of our relationship, I remember wanting to uh, uh, run around the lake and I would say, no, I just, I, I need, I need me time. I need like alone time. Cause I, I got so used of being like by myself that I enjoyed it. And now I, it's gotten better, but I think now, I think Melvin now we is realizing, no, he also needs his alone time where he, I'm not there with him to go on walks. Like he'll walk around um, the marina in Emeryville mm -hmm. by himself. And then I'll go on a hike by myself. And it's, it's, it's not, and I think also maybe, I'll just speak for us. Maybe, maybe it's because we're both artists and we need that sort of like, alone time where no, i think everybody does yeah 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 just oh we I'm, I'm in the basement and i spend a lot of time down here and i'm now i've been realizing for like the last month if i don't get the fuck out of the house every now and then i get this look like uh so um so uh so what are you doing like i'm sitting here minding my own business what the I live here. What do you mean? What am I doing? Damn. Is there not uh, no loitering sign up or something? Well, I, I think also one of the things too is that like I'm a morning person, so I'm usually awake by oh, like seven thirty in the morning, and he mm -hmm. doesn't get up until like later on in the day. So I have a good chunk of the time where I'm just you know I'm by myself. I can do things that I need to do. I mean, I can't like vacuum the floor I can't. You have about. <laughs> I mean usually I get closer to the time when he wakes up so I can like you know vacuum and slowly like wake him up but you know I think that and and also like since he before COVID you know when we had you know productions that were all lining up and stuff there were times where we won't even see each other you know and then all of a sudden it's like, like once a week I yeah. remember like we at one point before COVID hit, I was like, you realize that we're only together when we're in, when at nighttime, when we're in bed together. And that's usually only on the weekends because at the time I was working at, um, with Red Ladder where I'm traveling, uh, I, I, we go out of town and by out of town, I mean like uh, uh, Central, uh, Central, California. Central California. And so I'm right. not at home until like, so Thursday, uh, from Wednesday morning to, to Friday, I don't get home until Friday. And so, and then on the weekends, it's when we used to go hiking. But then I, that's at the point where I realized like, oh, we're not actually hanging out until we're sleeping. And then we're not really hanging out. We're just sort of like right. sleeping. Yeah. So yeah, but now it's like the opposite. Now it's like, okay, I kind of feel like I want to sleep on the couch today. Yeah. <laughs> Does that ever? Does that ever? Does that can that ever get to be an issue? We've asked other uh, couples as well. Where let's say if you're, let's say Jeb is involved in a show, and especially when it comes to tech and Q to Q, and you know you're not coming in until I don't know midnight or something like that. Uh, does sometimes scheduling become an issue or a problem? Where let's say you may need attention, Mel, or Jeb may need attention. Does scheduling ever become a problem? No, I mean. We understand what the uh, what what, it, what the demand is when it comes to going into in, into into Tech Week, you know. And so I think just uh, being a partner that is understanding of that, and also knowing that you know 
it, they might be coming in uh, in an, with an attitude, but it's not because of you. That's but... usually me. That's usually me. He's talking about me. I'm usually Mel is really good at not bringing uh, not bringing work home, or he'll bring it home, but it will talk about it right away. But me, like I don't consider myself a method actor, but I remember one time I was doing uh, a show at Magic and I was washing the dishes and I was playing a very heavy, a really heavy role. And uh, I, I guess I brought the character home with me and he was asking me what I want. He was asking me something and there was a lot of fire under what I said back to him. And he goes, what's wrong with you? And they just sort of like snapped me into place. I'm like, oh shit, I still have Voltaire with me. I need to shake that off. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that's awesome. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just understanding that, you know, like, I mean, for me, because I mean, I'm also sometimes in that situation where, you know, I'm in tech week and I'm usually home uh, really late. Um, and then there are some times where I also work in, uh, for City Hall for events. Okay. And I have literally like 16 hour days, you know, I'm like, right. up, you know, up and out of the house by like 530 in the morning. And I don't come back until two o'clock the next day, you know, and, and for that, it's like, he knows that I'm going to be going in, uh, you know, really, really late. I'm probably going to be making a lot of noise. And so just understanding in that part, it doesn't happen often, right? Tech, tech week doesn't happen often. I don't usually pull those shifts uh, quite often. So when we do, it's, it's about communicating it and, and right. letting them know what you need, essentially. No, no, that's awesome. I was going to ask you a question, Norman, uh, just as Jeb was talking about bringing the character home. Are you ever guilty of that, you know, with Mara? <laughs> um, I don't think so, but it's the way I do character. Um, I, You know, in the last decade, I have been playing the, the parent of adult children, of adult characters that keeps coming up and coming up and coming up. And because I have no children, I am fascinated by that. I am fascinated by the humanity of that. And so the number one thing I've learned is parents don't have a guidebook. Parents don't know what the fuck they're doing. Like, we all know this. We've all experienced it. But you don't. And so what happened for me is I suddenly started caring more about these characters and everything in the world suddenly affected me. So, like the first one of the first times I did it, it was for a dead son. I had one son who had died in a car accident, and one son who was a character in the play. And man, I built up all these feelings about that. So everything in the world that in any way related to it made me feel. And I realized, oh my God, that's what happens when you're a parent. You're just always anything that relates to your child relates to you know affects you. That's yeah, but I don't, you know. Other than that, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I like, I like putting on characters the way I like putting on costumes. <laughs> I want it to look good. I want it to fit. You put and it I on. Want it to be its own thing, and then when I take it off, I'm done. In I, fact, when I step off stage, I'm done. I hear you. Um, here's a question for the both of you, especially when it comes to characters. Uh, let's say, Jeb, I'll ask you this question. Are there times where you have to talk to Mel about, let's say, taking on a role? Before you take on a role, do you bounce it off with him or do you, are you just like, listen, I'm going to take the role and we'll talk about it later, especially when it comes to intimacy? Uh, yeah, I, I usually ask him for tips. Like, like if a director gives me something that I, I just don't understand, right? I'll ask you, like, how would you say this line? And then, he'll, and then he'll just say it. And I'm all like, 
why are you saying it like that? And then he'll tell me why. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Okay, I'll try that. And then the next day, it's like I, I bought something new. And it's, it's kind of cool to have to have a partner who also understands like what I do. And so it's nice to be able to bounce to uh, uh, bounce off uh, like ideas or ask him for help. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of like intimacy, I think I, I don't think I ever asked. I, I ever I think I don't think I ever told you. I just warned you. Like I'm gonna be like when I did white. Uh, when I did white, there was an intimate scene and i did tell you that we had right. intimacy. we had an intimacy director that was coming and he you know he gave me a hard time i said am i gonna watch it in the front i want to be like this <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds like you took it well mo you you know th- that th- that doesn't phase you no no who was the intimacy coach i'm curious oh i'm terrible i only know him by his i am so he's he's awesome he okay. was the company member at shotgun oh okay I only know him because of his instagram it's like rex 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 so generous or it sounds like it looks like a like a dinosaur sure name. okay um but yeah the, he was our intimacy. Well, i was just wondering we had one on the show so yeah we had maya herbsman on and uh, i think that's sort of the new that's um, i think we're going to see more people who are intimacy coaches sounds like that's a that's a new occupation for the theater oh, definitely i would ask the other question which is um how much do you guys talk about your roles particularly your process as you're working on a show is that something that you share it or is it more just sort of a hey you know what i did today i did this Pass me some butter. <laughs> I think whenever he's gotten like, you know, like he said, uh, some sort of like discovery on, you know, during rehearsals, I think that's something that, you know, he shares or I, I, think geek, I, I would geek appreciate. Out. Yeah, I, I geek out. Like I just, I, I'm realizing now how much I geek out about. You do. Like, yes, you do. <laughs> yeah, like the process of acting that I, 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 I share that with him. And I talk about, you know, I, I talk about people I don't like at the pride table. I talk about the director, just he's getting on my, she's getting on my nerves. But aside from that, I do, I do geek out over the process and I, I share with him like my notes and how I relate because I, I, I know how to read music, how I am, how I use the tools that I like the dynamics in music. I use that to literally score long passages of monologues or scenes where I'm all like, oh, this is the part where it's it's going to be a crescendo and it's going to decrescendo here and it's going to slow down here. And I, and I use all of the like the musical lingo. Cause you then do I, music? Uh, I can read music. Ah, okay. Like all, you know, How like, can you read uh, music? How can you read music and not do music? Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like, I, I do. Yeah, so I play, I, I play bassoon. I, I know how to read. Uh, like, I didn't know that. I play flute, so I know how to read treble clap. And like I use all of those Italian like Melvin, you're yeah. a musician too, aren't you? Aren't you a musician too, Melvin? Trumpet I, I, I was a trumpet player back in uh, middle school and high school, and I played like a little bit of a saxophone as well. I got bored with the trumpet, so I was like, ah, let me. Yeah. I don't know how to learn? You know, I don't. I already know how to read notes, so it's. I mean, that's the 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 hard part, right? Is learning how to read music. But I feel like once yeah. you know how to read music, you're able to kind of uh uh, uh in you know use different modes of, 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 of expressing it like yeah. singing or yeah. different instruments. I mean, but if you go to like a treble clef, that's completely different. Cause you know, I didn't do that. It, it's that the one that looks like a C, right? No, that's basic. No, no, that's the, that's the other clef. Yeah, it's been a while since I've played it, but you know, it's, I, I yeah, it's, it's great whenever he geeks out because he's like an encyclopedia. I mean, I know. Oh my God. No, anytime getting to work. Mel, God, we haven't worked. I don't have I worked. I don't know if I've worked with you as an actor. How, I think 
We have. We we did the uh, the each one reach one with the. Uh, that doesn't really count. Come on. <laughs> you directed us in a piece for playground, didn't you? Did it? No. Did I? I don't know. We've done so many playground stuff. Like it's. I know playground is. Oh. I love playground, but it's weird. It just it comes so quick, and you just throw yeah. it together. I don't really think of that as work because it really is sort of like you showed up at the playground and said, "Hey, do you want to play 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 four square? Cool. cool. You stay in as long as you can, and then you're out." And I, I know I definitely like ask him for 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 his advice if I have if I'm like you know doing any kind of like Shakespeare stuff or. or mm. That's right, the last or, one. Yeah, or if I'm doing any kind of thing with poetry, because, yeah, I mean, yeah. I can read the hell out of a menu, but it's like the dumb, 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 dumb. I've, dumb, been, dumb. I, I've, actually been, I've actually been telling him, like, whenever you get Shakespeare, like, don't even think about, the first thing I bet you a good director is going to tell you is, like, forget about the end, like, the just say it the way you're going to say it. Yeah. And tell him, like, it sounds good. Don't worry about it. It just, what, how does it make sense to you? And that's, it's I'm going to understand, people are going to understand right. it all that matters. And, and I would say, if not 90% of the time, 80% of the time, if you just say it the way it makes sense to you, that's the way it's written. That's what Shakespeare intended. Yeah. No, totally, totally. I just, I feel like Shakespeare, like fans of Shakespeare are so like, oh, he did not, he didn't say that thing right. Or he didn't use the iambic pentameter or... He put that comma in the wrong spot. <laughs> I like to think of those. I like to think of those like Shakespeare fans as like um, experts and not really practitioners. That's mm. what, that's how I differ. Like I'm not an expert in Shakespeare, but right. I like to think I'm a practitioner. And so, like, it's just interesting when I hear when people come up to me and they talk about iambic pentameter and they say, "Oh, it's interesting that you you change up the rhythm, blah blah." blah. But it makes sense because I saw you make a choice. I'm like, I I made a great. <laughs> and then he tells me really like i forgot my next line <laughs> that, 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 that as long as you have life on on the stage and as long as it makes sense it makes sense to the audience i think it's fine there are some you know there's some scholars and you know they they sort of watch it for all the different reasons it's almost like you know you go to a baseball game and there are folks who are like taking down the yes. and all that stuff that's and, a good way to put it no it's exactly like that where somebody's going wow you know what's going on right now that guy on third base did this thing and it's blah 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 stat and you're like really i just see him sitting there i i what the yeah, yeah, right just, exactly the don't know what they're doing they're, really, <laughs> they're being trained to like you know like they have the expertise but in terms of like going back to your like what what it's like to work or if we give each other notes it's actually been really fun at least for me when he has zoom performances because usually i we, our, our, our bandwidth isn't that great. So sometimes it's, I can't watch his Zoom, Zoom performance without taking away bandwidth. So sure. sit in and that's been really fun for me because like, yeah, like hearing, only, only hearing majority of, of, of the dialogue only on his side, it's really entertaining. And it's glad because then I'll have friends that'll be like, Mel's killing it or he's so funny. <laughs> And I'm like, it sounds like it. It sounds like he's doing yeah. things. Here's a, here's a question for the both of you. You know, I've, I've had, so there was one time I had a girlfriend in my life and we lived together and I was doing um, a theater piece and she really even couldn't understand. It's like, well, why are you doing, are you making any money and all that sort of stuff? And it was really frustrating. It's like, wow, I wish you sort of understood what makes it tick for me. But the question I had for you, uh, for the both of you, are, do you, do the both of you feed off of one another? Like, let's say, Jeb, when you see Melvin perform, do you say, oh, wow, you know, that can enhance me? Or do you feel that you have changed as a performer because of watching the other? It's if that a, makes sense. 
it's annoying for me because I'll read I'll uh, I'll read something, and I don't know how you guys feel about it. Like um, when you're still trying to get the words in your body or trying to figure out where it lives, um, I start to make choices that I'm conscious is something that he would do, or I, I start to sound like him, and it annoys me. Right. It annoys me now. It's like, oh, why am I doing that? Like I'll do. I'll start. To, get his cadence in and, and I and I hear it and I'm like, that's not the way I talk. Why am I talking? Why am I reading it like this? And it's because again, Zoom performances and I hear him and some of them are really, it's funny. And I guess I, I subconsciously bookmark it because I like what he did. Right, yeah. And so that's that's that, that's what ends up happening for me is I end up, I if I if a piece is foreign, uh, foreign uh, still in my body, I end up, I, I feel like I end up sounding like him or make uh -huh. choices that he would make. Uh-huh. <laughs> totally. yeah. I mean, for me, it's, yeah, it, it's, it's always great to see, you know, to see your partner doing, doing his or her thing and, and, and really excelling in it. And so just whenever I'm watching him, it's, it's always great to just, you know, witness him doing what he's doing. And, and you know, that's more, more power for him. But she, if, if, if they call me in, because he broke something like, oh, yes, yes, I've seen it. <laughs> I've heard it. I've read with him, <coughs> trying to get off book. So yes, no, no, no. But it, it's it, it it is definitely inspiring. Um, you know, to see him, uh, especially in like in in characters that you know that he actually embodies the the the, the character instead of instead of well, you you know, I I know it, it was written for a white dude, <laughs> but right. no white dude was available. So we're gonna change it up a little bit yeah we're gonna change it up <laughs> yeah, but for white i mean I, I i i enjoyed that um that performance you know specifically also and like just seeing him kind of like oh okay you know like this is really i was able to like really lose myself in the story and and i nice. think just being able to appreciate like i said uh appreciating your your partner's work and, and seeing them strive and and and, and do amazing things is it's inspiring enough i'm guilty of giving him notes <laughs> I tell him, take it to my director. <laughs> like, <laughs> I like seeing him. I like seeing him multiple times on stage. Like, I, I forgot what play it was where you played a detective, and I remember oh, being man. really like, like it was. He was so good, like playing a detective. Like, I believe that. Like, I believe that fucker. Like the way he carried himself, like as an investigator, he's like asking. He's playing the tactic of, of I'm here to sort of like. Uh, seduce you and persuade you that I'm your fan, but really I could see him as an actor making it clear for the audience that he's looking around the room and it was so natural. But then the next time I was just like, you kind of phoned it in. <laughs> no, it was, that, that play was called Others the Moon and then there's you. And I think, and it was great. I love being able to play, like you said, multiple characters because you get to kind of like- You just, played like four characters? Yeah, I, I felt like, uh, yeah, I played a Trekkie. Like yeah. The, yeah, I played a Trekkie who was trying to buy this like ticket to, to get to the moon. Um, and then I've also played the detective. And then I, I played. To be fair, though, else. you played something else. But to be fair, the night where I thought his detective phoned it in, his Trekkie guy, the nerd, was on fire. That I do yeah. remember. But I love watching like Law and Order and SUV, and like I was just like, man, this is the moment that I could like 
right. live up to, you know, to, to, yeah. to those characters. Mel's so. also really good on, um, on screen. Like he's really natural. Like I haven't learned that, that, um, that art yet. <laughs> and I remember we, we, when we, we had a weekend getaway and we were uh, up at Russian river. And I remember asking him like, so how do you, how do you just act like the camera isn't like right there? And he's like, you just have to like, and I literally asked him like, is there a trick so that if you're like scanning the room, you don't end up looking at the, cause I'm guilty of always looking at the camera. Sure. Yeah, but anyway, that was just one thing too. Well, that I mean, you have to make the camera a point of view. That's, you have to make it a character or a point of view that you only address in that moment. Yeah. yeah. And I told him like camera, like the camera work is not usually, unless it's like a super close up, you know, it's not usually like right there. I so, feel like it's like that. Yeah. Though. But I mean, that's, that, that's how they shot it. So like, you know what I mean? But like, usually you'd be able to scan it, but I told him like, just don't even worry about it being there because I, I like when I first started doing like film, like whenever I would see that red dot, it's like, you can't miss it. Right. Yeah. You, that's what I mean. You, you can't always... miss it. Like, can you put like a gaffer tape on that or something? <laughs> I don't see it but you know at, at a certain point you kind of just like forget about it and, and you know but there will be moments where you are super going to be aware because you need to know where the shots are coming from right you have to right. now I, I saw a trivia question asked if Tom Cruise was a good actor and the first answer which was great was well most of the time Tom Cruise is playing a movie star so mm -hmm. if you take that away um, those times when he is, particularly when he's in movies with really good actors and he's playing a really juicy character, he's fantastic. He's an amazing actor. And I was like, I was telling somebody about it and they were like, I said, Tom Cruise loves the camera and he understands what the camera is doing. So that's a whole nother level of acting. <laughs> yeah, totally. If you see him like in those paparazzi shots where he's just like, you know, like doing his thing, he's not, he's not like, he's not on, right? Right. And the minute that you know, it's like, oh, he he definitely puts on something, for something the for the camera. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I miss the days that Tom Cruise actually did you know serious roles instead of you know these action figures stuff. I mean, you know, I remember, uh, oh shucks, what was it? A uh, few good men. You know, I don't, right. I don't know if I'll ever see a performance like that again. Well, uh, uh, Collateral, which I don't think is a great movie, <clears throat> but it's so refreshing to see him play something else, and he was so good. Like, you totally forget the sweet, hot dude. You're like, okay, you are a manipulative, creepy fucker. <laughs> what, uh, another question for, um, for the two of you. As far as business, like, you know, like for, for a couple, let's say, who is not involved in theater at all, if you get a job opportunity, usually that's a point of discussion. So it's like, a, hey, you know, this job may take me to Minnesota or something like that. Um, do you guys discuss, I mean, because I'm sure either one of you may are at the position where you could get a call saying, Hey, you know, we want you in LA because you know, we love what you're doing. And Minnesota. so, or, or yeah, whoever, but um, yeah, I'm thinking of uh, the move, uh, Lily tongue, crystal. Lily tongue crystal. Yeah. And her birthday's coming up too. Um, uh, no, have you guys have you guys have discussions about, um, I don't know the future of the business or you get the proverbial phone call. Hey, we want you here. And the two of you discussing things like that. Yeah. I mean, before before all of this uh, started, I was actually like doing tours with um, with with a couple of productions, and I mean I would be gone like a week, two weeks at the most. Um, but when we talk about like you know possibly, I think he want he wants to uh, be maybe able to do some work in OSF, and and OSF is only like it's only seven hours away. It's not right. that bad, you know. 
we can drive there. Um, I think that's it's it's possible, but you know, I I don't think it, we shouldn't let uh, distance dictate whether or not we should be able to take any kind of work. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, if it comes down to where like it's more of a permanent type of situation where you know you'd have to like we'd have to move somewhere, that's another. Uh, conversation and we, we, and we haven't actually thought about it that way yes we, we have we, we talked about like i think we I, I i thought oakland would be a great home base yeah that, you know, yeah we like the bay we'll area. always have a home base but not like a permanent move like yeah. i talked about I, I before pandemic hit i'm like i i want to audition for osf or go up there and audition right and i get it i'm if they ask me to do two or multiple seasons depending on what it is i'm the contract i i might want to take yeah, that's what it's at least nine months right mm-hmm. so then i was just like as long as we were the the home base is here this is our home base then that's just everything else is like it's just work it's not like a move permanent mm-hmm. yeah right okay so good no it sounds like both of you are on the same page because sometimes that can be you know a difficult conversation where you know it's like hey i've got this great job opportunity and the other person's like well no and i'm just afraid of what happened in the future or whatever but it's good the two of you are on the same page have you two have ever had let's say a uh, difficult it sounds like theater has sort of helped i know theater for me has helped me communicate with just people more in general it sounds like theater has helped the two of you uh, communicate, or it's it may be the reason why the two of you can communicate so much, uh, or or so well. Would you agree with that? Do you think theater has really enhanced your relationship? I I think so because Mel, I I get lost in the details sometimes, and Mel is really good. He's got a really good eye for like production, and he understands yeah. the production production part of it really good, um, really well. Uh, I was I was actually his first uh, uh, Mapa uh, the the kids your kids mm-hmm. the, the Mapa production I went to support my partner and I was like oh god it's Shakespeare this is gonna be her- horrible and then when the when it started I'm like this is really good and then and then he was so proud of his kids and he would just sit with next to me for a bit during the show and then he would leave and I thought that he was running the show he was just checking in with his kids but basically it was really cool to know that that it was the kids running it, calling the lights, calling the sound, kids acting on stage. And it was just, it, it, I was just so proud of them. Like, wow, that was really good. And so Mel understands really well the, the like production value and what it means to like, when a, uh, the reasons as to why a show wasn't as good. Um, Mm-hmm. Whether it's blamed on the director or if it's just like, well, this is probably because the lighting grid here is different or something like he, he knows that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's more like uh, I, I get lost in like a, a character. Like I didn't like that character. I don't know why. And Mel's also good at like the overall picture of, of a script, like understanding the plot lines more so than I think I, I, I understand it. Me, I, even though I, I, even though I took a class on how to like script, how to digress, uh, how to like di- uh, uh, dissect analysis, diagram, yeah. analysis. Yeah. 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 For me, I man, I, I'm a sucker for for you know catchy tunes like musicals and stuff. And so for me, it 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 doesn't take much <laughs> to uh, to impress me when it comes to like, oh man, you're doing singing and dancing, musicals. you know? And I'm like, that's freaking awesome. But um, I, what I appreciate with, with, with Jed is the fact that he gets to kind of like dig deep into like a character, what the story is about. But for me, it's kind of like, 
I need I need the the, the elevator pitch version <laughs> <laughs> of it in order for me to get it. But but I think being able to um, you know like in terms of communicating, I think it's it's helped us a lot because it's not just about things that you say it's also about things that you read you know about how people uh give off and 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 being able to read those those uh social cues in a sense you mm-hmm. know i think theater has done that because there's a lot of i mean if you sit through a, a a good play you would if it's a good ass play you wouldn't care if it took two and a half hours right you know what I mean? just by watching a, a great story unfold and and i think there's yeah People can learn a lot from that, especially with just reading uh, uh, physical cues from people. I mean, I may be biased, but uh, uh, I forgot what I was going to say now. And I don't know if this has anything to do with your with your question, if it helps us communicate. But uh, Mel is still, I think you are the, you're probably the only person at Bindosef who single-handedly produced a story's high by yourself, right? Mm-hmm. You were the only one that did that. He did it by himself. And I thought it was... Uh, probably the smooth, the smoothest uh, production that I've experienced at Bindelsif. Well, I, I I had a lot of help from from uh, from the, the the production staff, you know, production staff at that time. But it definitely is um, uh, it's 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 a community theater, you know. So a lot of it has to depend on the the help that you you get and the assistance that you get from from everyone else that worked there. Yeah, but it's hard. It was hard. Yeah, stories high is hard. If you're but gonna produce it by yourself, don't try and do it. You're by yourself. Get as, <laughs> yeah. as soon as you said that, I thought no. Yeah. Just the, one of the things too that I learned from Bindlestiff is that uh, if because you know with Bindlestiff a lot of folks play um, and wear multiple hats, right? And so it's about making sure that you know your boundaries and what your capacity is because you can't be. Being a producer. Sorry, oh, sorry, sorry, it's right there. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's why I was running around. Ah, <laughs> trying to find so it. Because this was the last one that I was in. Yes, that's the one. And you did a hell of a job, too. Uh, thank you. Thank you. And, and you know, for me, it's it's all about uh, when, when I when I when I did produce that, that particular story's high and being involved with, with a lot of the previous ones, uh, one of the things that I wanted to really do was um, give the director and the um, the playwrights and the actors enough time to really develop even such a short you know piece given the fact that there's you know we had i think at that time like seven pieces that wanted to get on and i was like we just don't have the time to do all seven you cut it to four didn't you i think i cut it to three just so that we give enough time for each piece you know because i'm also looking at it from the from the audience perspective Right, like I'm not gonna sit through a three-hour ordeal, Marathon. you know, with with seven pieces. I would forget all seven of them. I'd rather stick with three really, really good ones that I can relate to and and sink your teeth in. Yeah, sink my teeth in. I mean, I'm, I'm all about quality over quantity. So, yeah, yeah, and I think, and you know, remembering from that, I mean, because you, when you have a I mean, that's the mind of an artistic director or, you know, someone who has the, the mindset to look over everything and you want to be mindful and caring of everyone involved, you know, the director, the playwright and the actors um, without being, you know, <clears throat> without sounding like, you know, dictatorial or whatever. And, and you definitely have that now. 
And it sounds like that's a nice balance that the two of you have. I mean, you know, you have the overall picture, Mel, and Jeb is more, you know, zeroed in on the specifics. And it sounds like that counterbalance really helps um, make the relationship work between the two of you. We're running into the one hour mark, but I want to ask one last question. What advice would you give for individuals? There's some young actors there who will fall in love with another actor or someone within, you know, the theater. What advice would you have? Right. To How is that more than just making out? <laughs> what's <laughs> what's the ma- what's make the magic? Ing- yeah. What's the magic ingredient to keeping it together? Make out hard. They don't see each other for like <laughs> for, a year. for a year, and then see if the magic's still, still there. there. If it's still there, you might last for more than eight years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and also like though I, I would say don't fall in love with who you see on stage. You know what I mean? Because that's that what happened to you? Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> no, but the reason being is because these people that you feel like you're 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 um, fawning over, they're playing characters. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, like Norman says, he takes that that character off, and if you're not gonna be able to deal with that person on on by you know in their true self in their true nature, then yeah, it's not gonna work. Sorry. Yeah, I hear you. No, I mean, you, the two of you have been together longer than a lot of folks have been married. And so, you know, it's wonderful. And every time I see the two of you, both of you are smiling. And, you know, obviously what you guys have really works out. And it's wonderful. It's a wonderful love story to hear. Um, with that, um, shout outs, birthdays. Shout outs. Well, I'll do my Black history first. Um, few things this week. Huey Newton's birthday was this week. Uh, the Tuskegee Airmen, World War II uh, fighter pilots, um, that organ, that uh, unit was initiated this last week. And the one that I found really interesting um, is uh, this woman, African-American woman, who uh, did the sculpture that is the face. If you've ever looked at a dime, that uh, FDR image, that, that bust, that's hers. She created it. So those are... Those are um, that's my black history. It's weird. I got pulled into very personal black history this week. So if you look at my Facebook page, you'll see a lot of fun black history from the last week. Um, birthdays. Carrie Adele Isaacman is somebody I went to high school with. High school. College. No. College with. A San Francisco State University alum. And she's on the East Coast making theater now. It's funny. She came out here a couple of years ago trying to do a Shakespeare piece. And I said yes initially and then got a big gig. And as a professional, I'm sorry, but that's what happens sometimes. You go, you know, there's enough time for you to replace me. These people are paying me real money. I was doing you a favor. I got to go. <laughs> and she was very gracious about it. Uh, Meryl Shaw, um, who I first knew as a casting director, I believe, for ACT. Um, and she's still in the game. The way she puts it is she knows where the bodies are buried. So this is a lady who was fun to party with because um, she's got stories. Sheila Balter was my first director when I did a, uh, my first show with Word for Word. Uh, and uh, we did uh, The House on Mango Street. Her birthday's coming up this week. Um, there's a lady who's really special in my life, and her birthday is coming up on Monday. And that's yeah, your, your, your wife, yeah. Yeah, baby. Um, no, my career has, has grown so much because of my love. Um, I'm going to skip at least one name because I know Reg is going to cover it. Um, Edward Webster is a young, he was a young actor that I did uh, the lobby hero with through the Aurora. 
And they had already done the show. It was being remounted, and my role had to be recast. That's how I got in. And this young guy just would not cut me any slack on stage. But when we got the show up and running, like, first night out, he's like, hey, man, you want to go get a beer? And we sat and ch chatted it up, and I was like, okay. I, you know, this is a funny business we are in. Uh, Matthew Quinn used to be a producer here in the Bay Area and is now down in L.A., uh, Brian Herndon is one of those actors. There's a category of actor names that I have heard for years um, and didn't meet them until well afterwards. Brian Herndon was one of those. When I finally got to see him, I went up to the North Bay. I went up to Sassoon to see uh, Little Shop of Horrors because I love the show so much, and he was the lead. And now he um, is sort of unofficially the representative, local representative for equity. Um, and still an amazing actor. Uh, skipping another name, Genevieve Jesse McCall is in the writer's pool for um, Playground. I first met her as an actress, I think, and then she became a writer, and she's become a very powerful writer. Wilma Bonet is somebody I got to do a couple shows with Thick Description with, um, is a powerful Latina who's been doing shows in the Bay Area for a long time. Not to mean that she's old. She started when she was a baby. Um, and another name I'm going to skip because I think Reg has got it. And final name I have is Meg Patterson, another uh, director-producer who's been in Bay Area Theater for as long as I have. Those are my birthdays for the week. And <clears throat> happy birthday. And I've got a couple of birthdays as well. Kelsey Colley, we've been talking about teachers. Um, uh, Kelsey Colley was a teacher for Huck, the Howard University Children's Theater that ran during the 80s. And uh, I was a um, sort of a student teacher. I had just graduated from Ellington and I was going to NYU. And during the summer when I would come back to D.C., I would help him teach uh, a bunch of kids to become actors or to at least have fun in theater. Kelsey Colley, his birthday's tomorrow, so I want a happy birthday to him. On Monday, Melissa Mamboise, her birthday is on Monday, and we had her on the yay. This is a woman who, uh, su who um, survived, I believe, lymphoma. And, and also, I acted with her. We did uh, Grey Gardens, uh, the story about the Bovier family, and she's a fantastic actress. Also, Monday, Jacqueline Johnson, she is a fellow Ellingtonite of mine. She graduated. We, we graduated at the same time. Uh, there are a bunch of uh, bindle stiffers, ex-bindle stiffers. Um, Jocelyn De Deona. Oh, Deona? Oh, yeah. Joc yeah, Jocelyn Deona. And uh, her birthday is on Monday. And she was, I'm not sure if she was a director or a producer. I know she was part of the staff of Bindle Stiff, but um, she was a presence there. And I remember her when it was, uh, it was Stories High 11, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um but in any case, happy birthday to her. Also on Monday, Mandy Cabrera, another Bindle Stiffer. Uh, his birthday is on Monday. Tuesday, Conrad, yeah, Conrad Panganaban. His yep. birthday is the incredible playwright, uh, and he has done some amazing work. His birthday is on Tuesday. Also on Tuesday, Mistyanne Lotterl. I believe I'm pronouncing her name correctly. Ed. She uh, was just a, an amazing actress. I hope she still acts. But we did one of the last shows we did for EastEnders. It was a show. It was a, a company that I was involved in. We did um, 100 Years of Sex Acts, and one of the shows that we did was Don Perlimplin. It was a sort of a commedia dell'arte, and she was just wonderful in that. Um, also on Tuesday, Alan Byron, another dental stiffer. His birthday is Tuesday. 
Wednesday, Kina Cantor. Her birthday is uh, on Wednesday. I've never met her, but she's popped up on my feed. Usually actors and uh, creatives will uh, pop up on my Facebook feed. So I've added her on. Wednesday, we've talked about Lily Tongue Crystal, the fantastic uh, executive director she was of Ferocious Lotus, and now she's in Minnesota. Yeah, Moo, the Moo Theater. The Moo Theater, yeah. Also Wednesday, Jocelyn Ahern. Uh, I've worked with her uh, as a stage manager, and she was an actress and also a producer for uh, Off-Broadway West, working with the Harders uh, before Off-Broadway West closed down. Uh, Wednesday, Sarah Corda. Uh, she is a ex-Eastender, um, and she and I shared the stage uh, a long time ago. We did a Carol Churchill play, Far Away. Uh, and on Friday, an uh, L. Another ex-Ellingtonite, Leslie Delane, a beautiful dancer, and I believe she also acted a little bit. Uh, her birthday is Friday, and that's it. So I don't know if I captured anything that you were holding out for me, uh, Norman, but... You did. No, you, 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 you covered the ones I... Oh, no, the other one, uh, Eric E.J. Gibson. Um, oh, I don't know why I didn't have him. I thought you'd have him because he'd been on the show, but um, wonderful actor. He's with the Oakland... Theater Project, which is formerly known as Ubuntu. Yeah, he was your son. Didn't he, pl didn't he play your son at one point? No, he played the son of the other guy. Um, oh, okay. He played the son of the main character in Death <clears> of <throat> Salesman. Yeah. And no, show he play the son. No, he played the son of the boss. That's right. <laughs> no, because he only had one scene, and it was he was so fun. It was... <laughs> It was such a trip. He played the son of Willie Loman's boss, who had taken over the business and was firing Willie, letting him go. He wasn't firing him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Love the colloquial colloquial language of that. Uh, shows, yeah. shows. You want to produce, you want to promote your show? And I'll promote mine. Oh, gosh. Uh, my show is called Simply So Much Night. Um, it's tomorrow at 5 p.m. Um, it's a young man, Nigel Berkeley, uh, who's Bay Area playwright. And I did one of his plays a few years ago before he went away to college. And now this is like his graduate project. So I'm like, wow, time flies. But um, the first piece that I did uh, was called Adelia or the Nose Play. And it was, my description of it is, is that it was a whimsical contemporary fairy tale. Um, it was just, it was bizarre. The language was sublime. The story was interesting. And so we're doing this new play called Simply So Much Night. And, uh, and with this cast of Bay Area luminaries, so I'm, I'm, I'm feeling happy. If you're interested in it, you have to get in touch with me because I don't have a link for it. There's just the event page, and the event page takes you to the university page. And it just has a time clock on it saying the next show will start. <laughs> oh, well, we'll, we'll give, uh, you know, information and people can, we can at least uh, link them to the website. Yeah, Maybe not the link to the show. I can pull it up, but I don't think I yeah. can. And while you're doing that, I'm also, I'm also in the show. Uh, we're dragging oh, and, uh, central works. Talk about your show, but I'll get the central works link. Cause that, that show was on the, the, the radio this week. Oh, yes. Uh, we The radio play they have going on. Uh, the show that I yeah. will be in uh, tomorrow uh, is uh, Dragon's Nest. Well, Dragon's Nest is the company. Dragon's Eggs. It's a series of three one-act plays by new writers uh, directed by Sean J. West, who's been on the show. One piece, a wonderful piece, Soul uh, Shucks. Soul, Soulmates. 
uh, is written by the great Kimberly Ridgway. I mean, Kimberly Ridgway has just been on a tear. She's just been writing and yeah. doing all sorts of incredible stuff. And I'm privileged to uh, be in it, as well as Lamont Rogel. So a uh, little um, family reunion. And that will be tomorrow, uh, beginning at 2 p.m. And I'll have, excuse me, we have a link. I'll have a link to that. And uh, yeah, that's what's going on. So if you can't see Norman's show, you can see mine. Or if you can't see mine, you can see Norman. Norman, when is yours going on up tomorrow? What time? At 5 o'clock, 5 p.m. You can see both. See me at 2. See Norman's at 5. <laughs> uh, the Central Work Show is called Bystanders, written by Patricia Milton, who is a local playwright, directed by Gary Graves, with Maria Marquise and Kimberly Ridgway, and they were on KL, I think it was KALW the other day, a clip. I was sitting there going, I'm driving, going, wait a minute, that's Kimberly. I recognize, I totally recognize that voice. See? Um, and it's sound design, engineering, and editing by Greg Sharpen. It is powerful. Yeah, I tell you, Kimberly Ridgway is on a roll. And yeah. uh, I've got to get Greg Sharpen on because, you know, we talk about sound designers. He's more than a sound designer. He is just a, a yeah. Yeah, he's an, he's an audio visionary. In any case, that is it. Mel Jeb, uh, did you, you enjoy yourself? Any shows you want to promote? Uh, Project? No, not quite, but stay tuned. Go on Bravo's website. Theater Bravo, we'll definitely have that. Did the two of you enjoy yourself on the A? Yes. We did, we yes, did. We you know do. what? I was, gonna, I was thinking about it too earlier when I was uh, making pancakes. I was like, maybe we should have done that, like, you know, making pancakes He's while they're talking to lifestyle. us. Kind of like, lifestyle. you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. That, that, that totally works. It's going, we're going on YouTube anyway. I mean, there are all sorts of YouTube videos, folks fixing pancakes and all sorts of stuff, you know. Yeah, like while you're doing the, uh, the interview. So next time or for your next guest. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Well, thank, thank you. Only if we get some to eat. <laughs> all righty well um thank the both of you and uh, this it's been wonderful just hearing all these wonderful stories um of the guests that we have on um you're probably watching this on youtube if you are please like and subscribe you know how the uh, the young folks say and um give us a shout out give us a thumbs up or tell us what you like tell us what you don't like and we can improve the show if you're listening to this on our podcast uh on the podcast you can listen to us on all podcast apps we're on spotify we're on the the um, soundcloud app we're also on itunes uh if you're an android user probably the soundcloud app is better or just go on soundcloud.com and you will find us the yay was created by theater people for theater people if you have a show you want to advertise or if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up on Twitter, Instagram. I'm at Red Space Clay. And I'm at Hoosier Hoosier. Uh, Mel and Jeb, um, how can people uh, reach out to you if they want to um, find out what's going on with you? Oh, he has a website. Oh, well, yeah, my website. I haven't updated in like a year. Uh, JedPersario.com uh, or or Instagram, but I don't, I'm not really on IG anymore. I'm taking a break from uh, uh, social media, but yeah. 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 I don't have a website, but I have an IG. <laughs> um, you can look me up. It's Meltot, it's M3LTOT, but you can also find us at uh, brava.org. Right on. Cool. That is it. Thank you so much. And I uh, hope everyone enjoys their weekend. And as Norman and I always say, we gotta, we gotta find, find a better, better sign off, and we are out. Yeah.